Good morning, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. It is February the 14th. How about that? Uh, it's, it's not an accident, I believe, that God has brought us to uh, chapter 13 of John, talking about loving his disciples, loving one another. And so we're going to get into that. That's kind of cool. Anyway, uh, before we start, I just want to remind you, um, you can donate into this ministry, uh, Tom and Sarah Ministries at gmail.com. I put it in the description. Um, you can uh, you can donate there, uh, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. Uh, we take them. We take them all. Um, <clears throat> also, you know, we're we're looking to raise four to five hundred dollars per month for the ministry. Um, also. You can purchase my books, uh, SOS, A 50-Day Journey into the Heart of God. And um, we'll also have uh, From Breakdown to Breakthrough, My Journey to Soul Health. Uh, you can get both of those books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart.com. You can get them through me, Tom and Sarah Ministries at gmail.com. Um, also, I'm going to be going to school uh, this fall um, in September, and um, I need to raise, uh, you know, over five thousand dollars for the school, but also a couple thousand dollars to about about two thousand dollars for the ministry trip. So, if you would be uh, so kind uh, to do that, uh, so pledging to the ministry once a month, or and or giving into my school would be really cool. It's the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Um, it's something that I really feel God wants me to do at this moment, uh, to draw closer to him, to go deeper in him and with him. All right. <clears throat> so uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, so let's go to John chapter 13. Jesus knew that the night before Passover would be his last night on earth uh, before leaving this world to return to the Father's side. All throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them, and now he longed to show them the full measure of his love, or uh, that he would love them to the very end. You know, so it's like, a full, it's not the end of time, but it's, it's the full measure. It's like, I'm going to the end of, of the um, of the of the of the yardstick, I'm going to the end of the um, of the measurement, and that's what he's talking about. And before their evening meal had begun, the accuser, the devil, had already uh, planted betrayal into the heart of Judas, the son of Simon, Judas of Iscariot, or uh, from Cariath, uh, Judas the um, <clears throat> Judas the locksmith, uh, the son. Of Simon, uh, Satan's name, Satan actually means accuser. Uh, so if you accuse somebody, guess what spirit you are from? Now, Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things into his control, for he had come from God and was about to go back to him. Verse 4, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer robe, and we'll talk about this in a second. But I want to tell you that God, that Jesus especially loved his disciples. John is known as the disciple whom Jesus 
loved. So in 1 John chapter 4, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you don't love, you don't know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation actually means, it's a big word, that simply means the item used for a ransom, okay? Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love God one another. So what was Jesus doing? I'm going to show you how much I love you. Now remember, on a few occasions in his three and a half years of ministry, Jesus ministered to the multitudes, spoke to the crowds, uh, fed them, did miracles for the crowds. Um, More time than that, he spent with his 12 uh, disciples, actually the 70 disciples. Uh, He trained them, taught them, and uh, he, he also had the, um, the 12 apostles that he spent more time with them. But actually, out of those 12, there was only three that were really, really super close friends. And, um, and we, we have it all backwards in our society. We feel that we're more accepted if we have a huge crowd around us. Okay, And we don't pour ourselves or have people pour into us on a localized level, we have we 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 we, we kind of want to have it in the crowd. I know people who pray better when they're around a crowd of people, uh, and they don't spend any time with the Lord in private. Remember, John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. I think I kind of believe that Jesus spent a lot of time with John. Um, he spent a lot of time with uh, James and Peter and John, and um, uh, or actually his name is Jacob. Peter and John, he, he, he did a lot of time with them, but more time with John. We need to get closer and one-on-one with Jesus on a regular basis. We need to have that basis in our lives that God is the most important, okay? Um, you know, so he, he wants to show us that he loves us. Now, in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In 1 John 4, In this the love of God was manifested, was shown that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. It's not through other people, it's him. Okay, so he wanted to, to, to take them, show them fully how much he loved them. All right, and, and Judas is a part of this, all right? Now, Jesus was fully aware in verse 3 uh, that the Father placed all things into his, under his control. So now the, the, the steering wheel, so to speak, is in Jesus' hands. And he got up from the meal, took off his outer robe, and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. And and a lot of times, you're going to show people how much you love them simply by washing their feet, by by putting a towel, becoming the servant. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you must be a servant of all. 
Okay, you have to serve. Leaders serve. You can't be a great leader and not serve well. Yeah, yay, Reading. <laughs> Rainy Reading today. And um, <clears throat> so he poured the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. In that society, they didn't have shoes like we have. They walked on a dirty ground. They didn't have asphalt. Uh, the Romans put uh, brick. Uh, they made brick, and they put them in the roads, but there was still a lot of dust. And when you walked into a house, your feet were dirty. Okay, your feet were dusty. And a good, um, uh, what would you call them? A, a good host would always wash uh, or have the guests' feet washed. I remember uh, there was a church, a couple of them actually, um, where hippies back in the 70s started to come to the church. They didn't have any shoes on. Their feet were dirty. And in one church, there was a beautiful carpet that was, uh, that was there, and they were dirtying the carpet. And, um, and so the, they, they, the, the leaders who didn't like I shouldn't say the leaders, but the, uh, the people on the board did not like the fact that these hippies were coming to church and dirtying their carpet. So during the week, the pastor removed the carpet, okay, and put wood flooring down. Um, on another occasion, I think it was Calvary Chapel in California, um, the pastor actually washed uh, the uh, hippies' feet as they were coming into the church so that they wouldn't ruin the carpet. A lot of times we need to do that. You remember uh, the woman we talked about, Mary, who had taken off her, or had opened the alabaster jar, washed Jesus' feet, anointed his feet, and then dried him with her hair. Um, Jesus was at this dinner uh, in another gospel. Jesus was at a dinner with Simon, and, um, and uh, who was a tax collector, and uh, this woman came in and washed his feet with her tears. Okay? And then Simon, don't you know what kind of woman this is? And he goes, yeah, you didn't wash my feet when I came in. So Jesus, who is the host of this dinner, washes the disciples' feet. All right? They were dirty. They were, they were wet. And he dried them with his towel. And then in verse 6, but when Jesus got to Simon Peter, he objected. Peter didn't want to do that. I can't let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. And Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear to you. Verse 8, Peter looked at Jesus and said, you'll never wash my dirty feet. Never. Uh, but Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, Jesus responded, then you will not be able to share life with me. And then so Peter, exuberant Peter, <laughs> says, Lord, in that case, don't wash my feet. Wash my hands and my head too. Peter wanted all of Jesus at this moment. And Jesus said, you're already clean. You've been washed completely and you all just need your feet uh, cleansed. But, you, uh, but that can't be said of all of you. For Jesus knew that one was about to betray him. Why? That's why he told them, that uh, not all of them were clean. And, and Jesus said, you are clean by the word. Okay? Um, now, this is interesting. Jesus is also washing J uh, Judas' feet. He's sharing the, his last supper with Judas as well. 
and, and, and Judas still had it in his heart to, to betray him. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe and returned to his place at the table. And then he said, do you understand what I just did? And um, uh, we, there was a commercial during the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw it, uh, but it was, I think it was Jesus Cares or something. Jesus Knows Us. Um, and, and it showed people washing other people's feet. It showed um, uh, different people washing other people's feet. And, and see, Jesus, uh, and, and then I heard somebody say, well, that's not in the gospel. Well, uh, Jesus said, you need to do it. You need to humble yourself and you need to do it. Wash people's feet. I symbolically wash people's feet a lot of times. A lot of times it's just not available here in America. On, on a, uh, a Monday night during a worship time, uh, the Lord told me to wash this person's feet. So I, so I symbolically washed their feet. And brought me to tears, and um, and 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 it's a it's a sign of servanthood. It's a sign of humility, and we need to be humble, don't we? Uh, too many times, um, you know, uh, uh, Christians especially uh, think too highly of themselves. You know, um, the story was told of a of a preacher's son who was going on a missions trip to Mexico, and uh, he he uh, the the son you know, uh, was in prayer one day and told his dad, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do something I've never done before. Whatever it is, I'm just going to do it. And um, so he goes to Mexico and the preacher gets up or the leader of this orphanage gets up and says, who, uh, pulls out a stick and says, who wants to do something that they've never done before? And this uh, son of the preacher gets up and says, I will, I will. And he goes, I need you to stir um, the the toilets. I need you to stir the outhouses because um, it's getting uh, um, too full and we need to stir to make room until they can come and dump them out. So he, you know, that's what he did. Took the stick, stirred the, uh, stirred the toilets. And then uh, I think a couple days later, they came out to empty them out. Humility is not uh, thinking less of yourself. Humility is not thinking more of yourself than you ought to think, you know, uh, and, and if God tells you to do something for Jesus, this was really humility. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you what servanthood really is. And, um, and then so Jesus puts his robe back on, sits at the table and looks at them at, uh, at, right around there and says, do you know, do you understand what just, what I just did? Do you understand what I just did? Um, you call me your teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's what I am. Verse 14, so if I'm your teacher and Lord, and I've just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow my example that I've set for you and wash another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I've just done for you. I speak you a timeless and eternal truth. A servant is not superior to his master. And an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice what I've done for you and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. So understand this, that if he, a leader, is going to do this, they need to do it as well for others. 
you want to be great in the kingdom, remember they had that argument with uh, James and John, and their mother came up and said, can I let them sit at the right hand? He says, <clears throat> you know, he says, uh, you have to be able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to be, not, you, you not, not try to be, but you have to be the servant of all. Okay? People want to be pastors, but they don't understand that pastoring is actually serving a community. It's not to get the high salary. It's to serve the community. A servant is not superior to his master. And then Jesus uses a word here, and an apostle, a sent one, is never greater than the one who sent him. Now, the word apostle is not, uh, uh, is not a familiar phrase to the Hebrews. The, the word apostle actually um, is a Greek Roman term. It's a Roman and Greek term. But uh, basically, when Rome conquered a country, conquered a, uh, a nation, they would send what they called an apostle ship to change the culture of that community or that country into the uh, into the Roman culture, so that when uh, so that when um, uh, Caesar would come, he would recognize it as Rome, and that's what we are to do: is to be apostles and bring the heavenly kingdom. To earth. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, he said, seek primarily, seek first, go after first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Everything else will be added to you. What you will wear, what you will eat, where you will live, it'll all be added to you. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to share a little testimony. I, I came in from, um, uh, I, I, I left Alaska back in October and really, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I, I moved back to Reading. I knew that that's what I was supposed to do. But I really had no place to live. I didn't have a place. And, um, and God provided a couch for a couple of weeks. He provided a room for a couple of weeks. And, he prov and then I had to move to another place. And, and, and fortunately, they were all available. And I was able to do it. Yes, it costs money sometimes. But I did it. And, and, and now I'm, I'm finally in a, uh, in a place that I can settle in a, at the moment. Um, and then God starts speaking to me and I'm going to school next year and all of this stuff. And so the thing is that you put yourself at the disposal of God and you become not only his servant, but the serving of the people around you. All right. And you serve them and you love them and you honor them. And guess what happens? Yes, that's what happens. In, uh, in Samuel, I don't know exactly knows where, is, where the verse is, but he um, says, he who honors me, I will honor. And so we do it because we honor the Lord. All right, when I got accepted to BSSM yesterday, um, uh, to me, it was an honor. And, uh, you know, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing this, but to, to me, it was an honor to be able to, to settle my heart, to spend a year, to get closer to the Lord. I mean, I'm going to be doing other things. But to me, Christianity is not a bunch of do's. If you want that, go live in the Old Testament. There's do's and don'ts. 
There's 900 plus laws in the Old Testament. Go for it. Don't let me stop you. But I want to, but, but Christian life is, and this is what a believer ought to do. Spend time with the lover of his soul, Jesus, and function from what he says. When I pray for the sick, I pray for him because I have the heart of God for that person. The only thing that I have in me, I'm preaching now, uh, the only thing that I have in me is a love for God and God's love for them. That's what being a servant is. We don't, I don't understand it, but it makes me cry when somebody washes my feet. And it makes me cry when I wash other people's feet. It's a, it's a, it's a thing where, where it brings communion. It brings community to us. Many people ask me, would you lead worship? And I'm like, yeah, you, you know, I'll be glad to lead worship. I pray about it and I ask the Lord, is that what you want me to do? And he says, yes, I do it to serve. I do it to serve them and I do it to serve God. And I want them, I want people around me to experience the presence of God. That to me is what worship really is. It's more than just uh, the goosebumps. It's more than just the jumping around. It's more than the, than the uh, Christian aerobics that we do. It's honoring the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And then so when we do, when we become and do the things that, uh, we're, that God has called us to do, we are washing God's feet. When we enter into our destiny, the purpose that we're alive, when we, when we start to do stuff like that, we wash God's feet. God wants us so close to him that nobody can tell us apart. Remember, Ephesians says that, that uh, we are in Christ and Christ is in us. And we have to be so much like him that nobody can tell us apart. That's the thing. That's the thing. Now, while I'm here in Reading at the moment, although I don't have a vehicle with me, my, my vehicle is still in Alaska, um, you know, I'm, I'm able to get around. I'm able to walk around. I thank the Lord every time I go for a walk because when I have to walk somewhere because I have legs to do it. Thank God for your situation. Now, remember, you know, uh, I remember telling somebody under the circumstances, um, under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty good. And, and um, this was a while ago. And, uh, and, and the guy looked at me right in the eyes and he said, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? You're a believer. You should be over the circumstances. You should rule over them. We rule from the third heaven. We don't rule from earth. We rule from the third heaven. We don't rule from the first heaven, this, this physical thing. We don't rule from the second heaven. We rule over those things. We rule from the third heaven. Remember, the Bible says that Satan, who's the prince of the powers of the air, is under our feet. So that's where we reside. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are seated with Christ right now. 
We, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. He is in the place of authority with God. Okay, God, the, the right hand is your blessing hand. It is your authority. <clears throat> the left hand you receive, the right hand you give. The right hand is authority, the seat of authority. That's where you're at. And that's what you have to look at. Uh, you know, it, it just, my, it's mind-boggling to me. And I'm learning this too, don't get me wrong. I'm not there yet, but I'm not fully there yet. <clears throat> but I'm starting to learn that, um, that, yes, trials will come. Why? Because they're giving us perseverance. Okay? And, and it's to give us hope. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you torment the devil. <laughs> A true believer torments the devil just by waking up in the morning. And so the devil has to bring you to his plane by discouraging you, uh, by making you depressed, by giving you problems. My goodness. If you need problems, you can go <laughs> you can go to your math class. There's plenty of problems in your math class. I remember Todd White used to say, you know, <clears throat> that you don't have any more issues because Jesus canceled all your issues. That's what the cross has done. So you get to have fun with this and you get to be who God created you to be. The devil spent many years trying to destroy you, to break you up. But one day, um, <laughs> yeah, me too. I, <laughs> although I taught math, I hated it. The devil spent many years trying to break you down. And then Jesus washed your feet by dying on the cross giving you his love, manifesting his love to you, redeeming you, buying you back. Jesus did that. Jesus did it. And he loves you and he cares about you and he's going to take you deeper than you've ever been before. This isn't something that, that is just a bypassing thing. This is an everyday thing. If I wake up in the morning and I'm discouraged, the first thing I do is I get in the Word. If I go to bed at night and I start to get discouraged, I get into the Word. Why? Because the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is the battle. It is the weapon we use. Sometimes people worship. You know, my weapon is my melody, the song says. My weapon is the word of God. I go after the word. I start reading it. Even the begets, you know, even going through the genealogies, I get excited about them. <laughs> you know, if you if you understood the names in the genealogy, you'd recognize that the genealogy there is, is talking about the gospel. Man was separated from God and God's brought him back. And now we are united with him through the book, through the cross. So if Jesus puts it on your heart to wash somebody's feet, even if it's symbolically washing their feet, then go for it. Symbolically, what I mean is sometimes it's, it's, it's not the 
Um, it's, it's not the ability at the moment to take out a basin and wash their feet. Like the gal I told on a, a Monday, I said, the Lord told me, you know, the Lord wants me to wash your feet. Is that okay? And she said, yeah, I didn't take her shoes off. I didn't put water on her feet. I put my hands on her feet and I just prayed. And it broke my heart. Well, we'll pick this up. Uh, John uh, 13 is a tremendous chapter. And we'll pick it up again tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be dealing with the love of God. And part of showing the love of God to somebody is by washing their feet. Uh, you know, I'll share this story. A, a number of years ago, um, we were in Reading in a very poor neighborhood. And... Um, and this person just came back from the grocery store and they had a ton of groceries and even cases of beer. And I was like, you know, really? But anyway, the Lord said, help them. So I did. I brought up, uh, you know, I took their groceries and I helped them to their apartment, which was on the third floor. And I walked up the stairs with the groceries. And inside there was a man who was laying down, uh, reeked of alcohol and urine and, um, <clears throat> um, I said, what, what, what's the matter? And he said that uh, he was in a car accident a few months before, and um, he lost part of the bone in his leg, and his back wasn't hurting, his back was hurting and all. And so um, I, I, I said, well, I can fix that. And he goes, are you a doctor? And I said, no, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and then so I had him sit up, and um, <clears throat> and the Lord gave him back at least an inch and a half um length on his leg and the guy flipped out when it happened his feet were black from dirt and i'm like how could you do this you're in a you're in an apartment take a shower but his feet smelled um you know but jesus touched the leper so i grabbed his feet and um and his his leg grew out an inch and a half and um i didn't understand what was actually happening but then a few weeks later i went back to check up on him uh, I don't usually do that, but I was in the neighborhood. And I knocked on his door. I said, how you doing? He goes, you don't understand what happened. I said, well, tell me. And he said that in his car accident, he lost an inch and a half at least of bone off of his leg. And, um, and uh, you know, broke right off and they had to remove it. And he said, when my foot grew, <laughs> he said, when my leg grew, not only did it fix his, the pain in his back, but also God had performed a creative miracle. And I remember, I, you know, after I said, oh, man, praise God. I was excited for him. And um, right after that, uh, I came outside and I, I said, Lord, why didn't you tell me that, you know, that he was missing that part of the bone when I was going to pray for him? He goes, would you uh, have done anything different? And I said, yes, I wouldn't have prayed for him. Creative miracles were beyond my uh, were beyond my experience, my expert—I shouldn't say expertise, but beyond my experience. And so, um, and then so he goes, "Yeah, that's why I didn't tell you." <laughs> so God restored the man's leg. We get to do this stuff, man. And all it is is symbolically washing people's feet. I know, right? You did the arm thing. That was crazy. I remember you did that at our Bible study. All right, well, that's all we're going to do today. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me. Remember, go to Tom and Sarah Ministries at gmail.com and um, 
and that, that'll help out. I'm going to BSSM next year. If you guys want to help out with that, Tom and Sarah Ministries at gmail.com. I'll get you all the information. Um, I need to raise $7,000 for that, and, and that includes the missions trip, okay, that I'm going to be going on. And um, so praise God we're going to be doing this. And uh, um, also, if you want to pledge um, some money, we're trying to raise four to $500 a month so that we can buy uh, supplies for, for, um, for poor people here in the area. Uh, there's a lot of homeless people that are sleeping on the ground. Well, you know, we can get insulation for their sleeping bags or, you know, for uh, for their things so they don't sleep on the ground, but they can have a, uh, insulation there. Uh, buy tarps for them. Uh, get food for them. That's what we're trying to do. So if you want to help out with that, we're looking for somebody to pledge or people, many people to pledge a certain amount of money each month. We're trying to raise four to $500 per month and do it for one year. That's all you have to do, just one year. And um, and we want to be able to help if you want to help out with that. Um, we do have needs in our ministry. And if you want to provide for, if you want to help provide for that, go to Tom and Sarah Ministries at gmail.com. Uh, buy my books. Um, Tom, uh, one of them is called SOS, A 50-Day Journey into the Heart of God. Uh, the other one is called uh, From Breakdown to Breakthrough, My Journey to Soul Health. Uh, you can get both of those on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com. Uh, if you get them from me, they're $20 donation, including shipping. That includes shipping and handling. And they're $20 or more donation, and you get those books. Um, or if you want to buy these, these wristbands that I got, I, what I do is when I minister to people, I hand them out to them so they have a touch reminder of their encounter with God. They're a dollar each. Um, yeah, so go ahead and do that. Uh, we're looking for uh, 10 people to pledge $40 a month, and that'll take care of, of that need. Um, I'm looking to raise, you know, like I said, $7,000 for BSSM, and I'm also looking to uh, uh, <clears throat> just to see what God can do uh, in our communities. Well, God bless you. Have a great day. There's somebody who is either watching now or will watch uh, that has a rotator cuff issue. I don't know which shoulder it is. It's either the right shoulder here, uh, the left shoulder, or the right shoulder. And um, it, it's in this area right here. You're experiencing pain. And uh, the Lord showed me that it is a tissue, um, a tissue issue. And uh, I just want to tell you that God's healing that right now. You're going to start to feel heat going on in your shoulder. And so just test it out and see. And you'll notice that the, uh, that the cracking sound in your shoulder will be gone. There's also somebody with uh, on the right side, back of the neck, right at the curve. Uh, there's somebody with a pain right there that God's healing. And, um, and God's healing that right now. So just stretch out your neck and see, uh, see that that's no longer an issue. All right. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining me. We'll see you again tomorrow.